Good evening and welcome to the first episode of the Father's Ain't Podcast. I am your host, Tina Shadow. On this episode, I will be talking to Nicole Williams, who works for the Division of Child Support in Maryland. But before we talk to Nicole, I did have the pleasure of interviewing Dallas, Texas Support Court Judge, the Honorable Vonda B. Let's get into this episode and again, welcome to Father's Ain't the Podcast. So any branding that's consistent, it helps people remember you. So the mug, the red lipstick, purple, all of that pulls you back into Judge Wanda B, right? Mm -hmm. And a little bit about myself. I am a licensed attorney in Texas. I practice exclusively in the area of family law. So child support, divorces, child custody, adoption. That's what I do. Um. I was watching TV one weekend and this show came on called Couples Court. Well, I knew a bit about um, court television shows because I have friends who are in the entertainment industry. And just so people know, those shows are not real. Like the judges that are portraying those, they may have been judges previously at some point, but not all of them are judges. Um you know, even paternity court, Lauren Lake, which she, I'm one of her biggest fans. She's an attorney. I believe she was in fashion design or something. So she hasn't been a judge. But the point is, is that when you're trying to educate and entertain, you know, most people can't do that. It takes a special personality to do that. And not only that, in Texas, an actual sitting judge cannot do this. You cannot sit on a bench, you know, preside over cases and do a case of a TV show like this because then it gives off the sense of impropriety. Like, where are you getting this information? You're sitting up listening to these people there reenacting what's going on with them. So ethically, a sitting judge can't do that. So me having this charismatic personality and I'm watching couples court, I was like, who are these people? Like, what is this? It was a husband and wife that were acting as judges. And they had other couples coming into court. So I was like, they have couples court, people's court, divorce court, paternity court. Why isn't anybody talking about child support? Child support is one of the most controversial areas in any area of law, more than any area. People hate it. Some people love it. Some people abuse it. So that's what gave birth to support court with Judge Von B. And I just put a little spin on it because I didn't want to just create another court show, right? I wanted to educate people because I'm really big on education. So that's why at the end of the segment, you'll hear me do a breakout and tell people what I wanted them to know about Texas law, child support specifically under Texas law. Because honestly, I think that is the first reason that there is so much tension around child support because a lot of people don't know their rights. A lot of people don't understand why they go to court. This happened. They don't understand why they go to court. This didn't happen. So my goal is to, like I said, level the playing field. So that way, if you cannot afford an attorney, because it's not cheap, it's not anything cheap by any means. Right. But if you cannot afford an attorney, does that mean you should be, in, you know, unable to represent yourself in court. I don't think that's fair. You, you know, there's a wealthy population and there's a non-wealthy population for a reason. And most of the people I provide services to 
are within that latter population. A lot of them can't afford my service all the way throughout, but I still want them to be able to um, represent themselves in a way that they can at least get some, if not everything that they're asking for in court. Um, so yeah, so with you saying that, that was basically my main purpose of starting the podcast is to let the fathers know that regardless of how, because on the outside looking in, it does look like that the system is set up to favor the mother and whatever she says. Um, I know I interviewed someone yesterday who actually works for the child support system and that was the question that she asked me. So she said, you know, so what about the mothers that are on child support? Well, I'm not taking anything away from them. It's just that that's sometimes an unlikely situation. Um, it's more, to, in my opinion, it's more fathers than it is mothers. Like it's a rare case where you'll see a father come in and put a mother on, but a mother putting a father on is always an issue. Um, I do feel like that some of the consequences of non-payment are very unfair. So I just, that leads me to this question. Um, so in an order, visitation is put in place and child support. I My question is, why is it that if a mother violates a visitation order, her consequence is not as stiff as the father may be missing a payment or two or three? Because I really feel like taking a license away is a bit extreme. Um, as I said yesterday in my interview with the child support uh, liaison worker, um, you, if you take away the license, that's fine because anybody with common sense would say, okay, if you still need to get to work, there's always public transportation. However, if there is a job that requires the person to drive, how is this beneficial? Because now I can't work, which means I can't take care of the child, which means you're going to put me in jail. So now not only can I not work, but the child can't see me because I'm in jail. So I, I guess what I'm asking you is, how how does that make sense? How how did the system determine that that's a fair consequence? It's an excellent question. And that's why when I become judge, there are a lot of things I would be working on and pushing legislation and trying to not necessarily change all the laws, but make some modifications to it. Though just so you know, and a lot of people don't know this. The attorney general's office has an interest in child support cases because they are the agency that monitors the child support, right? They are the agency that the child support payments go through, is connected to Medicaid, which is also another state um, resource, right? Mm -hmm. So all of it is connected. So because the attorney general has an interest, a state agency has an interest in child support, when somebody fails to pay child support, the state, again, assigns that person a public defender, right? That person that is experiencing, you know, failure to pay child support. They're assigned a public defender mm -hmm. because their liberty is at stake because you're talking about putting them in jail, right? Well, on the flip side, when it comes to possession and access, the state does not have an interest in that. Because it doesn't involve money, right? So a woman who's violating her rights, she can still get access to a public defender, okay. right? Mm -hmm. So they can both get access to a public defender. It's just that 
in my personal experience, in my personal opinion, I think that the judges have a lot to do with how those outcomes differ in what you see. I don't think it's necessarily the state because the state is an agency. They're there to make money and to provide the service that the grant uh, provides, right? Okay. But it's the judges, in my opinion, because if you think about who, which is why I educate people about learning who your public officials are. If you have a female judge who has gone through a bitter divorce, you know, had a bad experience with her child's father, partner, whatever the case may be. If she's still holding on to that bitterness, she's not going to handle you any differently from how she handled whatever made her bitter. Right. So then what you see is this female judge possibly favoring this female mom because that male dad reminds her of the person that pissed her off. So it's just been my, like I said, my opinion and my experience. The system works the way that it should, the way that it was designed, right? The problem is that the players within the system are a huge part of the problem, which is why you hear about corruption with judges because they don't always do what they're supposed to do. And it has nothing to do with the position itself is because underneath all of that, you have a bad person that has a character flaw and they're taking out personal biases and vendettas on these fathers because they see a resemblance of whatever happened in their own personal situation. And I see that all the time. And that and that that's really enlightening that you say that, because is realistically, is there any way that that can that can not be an issue? Because I guess it's like an interview with somebody and you can say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, fair. But like you said, if you come in and there's the guy that reminds you of that guy, then I'm just going to say anything. So. So with you bringing that to my attention because that's interesting um i guess my question is so if it was done unfairly and the father goes back and feels like no that that's not that's not right um a lot of guys that go through this stuff have and i'm not going to say all of them because i don't want to say that but typically in a situation the guys don't want to deal with the system because they already in the system for other things not child support, if you get what I'm saying. So they already have a negative stigma towards the system. So it's like, okay, I'm going to court for child support, but you might bring up the time I robbed the store and, you know, possibly use that against me if that's what, like you said, the players. Um, so I'm just, and then, and oftentimes I've, talk to guys who's gotten really frustrated with the system because it seems like a mother can get mad walk into a courthouse sign off on some paperwork and we got a child support order within a matter of minutes but then the father comes right behind her and says this isn't fair I want to fight this but it takes six months why is that to be honest with you it, it could be a variety of reasons right Right now in COVID, courts are back completely up. And it's really unfortunate for the dad who wants to have access to his children and can't because mom isn't allowing it 
And here we are in October. His court date got pushed all the way back in January till January. Right? Mm-hmm. Mom is still violating the order. Nothing has changed. So that's one thing that I've seen, you know, the backup in courts. Another thing that I've seen is that a lot of guys just aren't as prepared as women when they go to court. And what do I mean by prepared? Women, I'm a female and you're a female. You know how we do. We're going to have receipts. <laughs> right. We're going to have screenshots, uh, videos, uh, everything. Teachers, notes, conferences. I think that's just naturally how we're created. We're nurturers, right? So being a nurturer requires you to plan, to write things down, to make sure you have proof of things. Guys, on the other hand, and I'm speaking even with my husband, right? right? Mm -hmm. They'll get a receipt and ball it up and throw it in the trash. (laughs) Or they'll write something down but can't remember where they wrote it. Or they will write it incomplete. When they're looking for a text message, they deleted it. I don't even want to be bothered. Right. I didn't even think to take a video, you know, and naturally I think that's how men are created, right? Mm-hmm. Men historically have worked. They were the provider. They worked outside of the home. All of those other things like managerial and everything like that, that was left up to the female. So in saying that, when you look at present time, we see the same thing happening. The guy's not focused on trying to get back at the woman. So he's not taking notes. He's not writing things down. The female is in her. That's what she does. So a lot of times when you see women go to court and whether they have an attorney or not, it appears as though everything is going in their favor, which it may not necessarily be because they're a female. It may just be because she's a little bit more prepared than dad, because a lot of dads I've seen walk in court, they don't have anything with them, but the clothes on their back. <laughs> or, you know, they may bring a girlfriend or their new spouse or something like that, which doesn't add any, you know, benefit to them coming in there unprepared, right? Mm-hmm. Because you got to think, judges are human too. So, if your wife that you're currently married to, y'all are separated, Ask for child support and you walk in there with a new woman and you are prepared. You know what I mean? Right. You, it's not fair to say, well, the judge shouldn't be paying attention to that. But the reality of it is that they do. They're still human. We're not talking about robots here. Mm-hmm. So men are coming into court unprepared, but those that come in prepared, they have those receipts, those videos. I've seen it. They tear these mamas apart. Even representing themselves and the mama has an attorney. I've seen guys do some miraculous things just off of preparation. That's really is, that really is honestly the key. If, if a guy wants to ever outshine or beat a female in court, the first thing he got to do is be prepared. The first thing. Gotta be prepared. Don't worry about speaking legal terms and doing not, you're not an attorney. So the judge is not expecting you to do that, but they are expecting you to bring in any evidence to support what it is that you're trying to do in whatever the case may be. I had a dad a month ago. We went to court, child support court. They live together. Him and the mama live together. They just broke up. I think a couple of months ago, she goes and puts him on child support, right? 
So we get to the hearing on Zoom. And I'm thinking it was going to be simple because he was just like, I want to put myself on child support because I want to see my kid. Right. Mm, OK. It should have been simple. But she gets in there. I don't want him to know where I live. <laughs> I want a non-disclosure um, for family violence. I mean, she just went all in. Right. And she wanted back pay from the time this child was born. So this child is now two or three. So she wanted three years, two to three years worth of back pay. We go in front of the judge. She was talking about this alleged family violence incident. So I just started asking her questions. And it was apparent that she was lying. So mm -hmm. after I was able to paint the picture that she lied about that to the judge, anything else that came after that, he was going to believe it was a lie. So I started questioning her about them living together. She just was saying, no, we never did that. My client get up there. Um, He had receipts from Cash App. Where he sent her money since he moved out. He had receipts from paying for the child stuff when they lived together. He was a stay-at-home dad. She was the one going to work. I mean, he had so many, so much evidence, which testimonial evidence is evidence too. A lot of people think you need a, you know, actual sheet of paper. You don't. If you say something that the other person doesn't contest or controverted, mm -hmm. that's accepted as true, right? Okay. So about time we finished, the judge said, you need to tell him where you live. I'm not making a finding of family violence. He's not paying back child support. His child support obligation does not start until October. We were in August. Mm. So he didn't get her a payment for September. He skipped over September and went to October. Child support was like $300. She was mad. I said, you did all of this for $300, but on the cash out receipts, he giving her like thousands of dollars a month. Wow. So she ended up coming out on the shorter end of the stick trying to be vindictive. Right. Okay. So I guess, so my question is, so cash app, is it really relevant or is it, if, if your state has, cause I know here in the state of Georgia, they have like this app and they want you to pay through the child support app, but right. hypothetically, maybe the father says, okay, I don't want to do the app because I just want to put it in her hand and get her away from me or whatever the case, but she doesn't report it to child support. Can the father take his cash apps and say, hey, um, I've been giving her money. And, and hypothetically, maybe he didn't put in the little four column there, child support. It was just like money. Is it still relevant? Even without that information, great question. You have some great questions. That's an excellent question. So let me answer it two ways. First off, if there is no court order in place, okay. using Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, money orders, cashier's check, all of that is relevant. It's not only relevant for child support moving forward; it's relevant towards the arrearages, which is also called retroactive child support back pay right mm -hmm. so if you're able to show that since you and this mom have not been together you've been supporting this child you're going to either have a lesser amount of back pay or no back pay at all right now on the other side if a court order is in place you have to follow the court order as the terms are written so if it says that the money goes through 
the state disbursement unit, which um, here in Texas, our state disbursement unit is located in San Antonio. If your payment is not going through there, which you don't physically have to send it in all the time, if you getting paid um by you know by a company by check, their order there's a withholding order that will go to their HR department that will automatically take that money out. When that money comes out, it goes through the state disbursement unit and disperses to the other parent. Right? Mm -hmm. If you do not do it like that, you're still on the hook. For whatever arrearages that are accumulated, because the orders in Texas are very specific. You do not get credit for indirect. I mean, you do not get credit for direct payments to the other parent. You're essentially leaving it to the other parent to sign an affidavit and say, I acknowledge that so-and-so gave me $1,500. How many people going to do that? True. Like, let's just be honest. Especially, Especially when she gets mad. Right. <laughs> and I've seen guys receive child support and do the same thing. He get mad at you or she get mad at you. Good luck collecting that $1,500 and you still going to be on the hook for it because the order gives you very specific instructions on who the payment goes to and how it's to be paid. So you go outside the order, that's on you. Okay. Okay. Um. So do you feel like now there are certain instances where the child after they turn 18 wants to continue education? Do you feel like a father after that 18 point, should he continue to pay child support for the furthering of the education or is that is it OK to cut it off at 18? It doesn't extend beyond 18 or when the child graduates high school. Right. So in Texas, there are certain ways that people are removed from child support. So obviously, if the child passes away, okay. they terminate your child support obligation. However, if you owe arrearages, those are still owed. Right. You're still going to owe those. But current child support gets terminated. A child that is 18 or graduates from high school, which everyone happens later, because a lot of kids turn 18 and they're still in high school. So the child support obligation is still there. If they're in high school and they're taking secondary courses at a college, you know, for like dual credit, you're responsible for that because they're still in high school, right? Okay, okay. The only time you really see someone paying child support beyond the age of 18 is if the child is what's considered a disabled adult, right? So let's say they're, they're 21, mm -hmm. but at the time that the child support order was put in place, let's say 10 years old, it was determined that this child was going to need care beyond the age of 18. And what, and when I say care, I'm not talking about someone that's just bipolar. You know, you're talking about the more serious illnesses, you know, um, okay. terminal cancer, okay. um, cerebral palsy, where the children may have to have a 24 hour nursing staff where they're, they're housed the, some things I've seen, the doors have to be widened, you know, to be able to get okay. them in with their wheelchair. They have to have a special vehicle that has a lift because they're in a wheelchair. Those type of things. Those are really the um, only times that I've seen people pay child support beyond the age of 18 or when they graduate. When that happens, your child support obligation is done. Okay. Um, and I just have a few more questions. Um, so. I've heard 
And this is actually the first time when I decided to do this that I've heard of something called a mother state. Um, after researching, I realized that all states aren't mother states. If you have any insight on what a mother state is and how is that determined, I would, you know, that would be something that I'm interested to know. Like, how, like what makes a mother state a mother state? Like, does it go by population? Like, well, like, how does that work? <laughs> Actually, I've never heard that term. Um, so, um, you know, I don't like to assume I'm one of those that like to do my research. So I'm writing it down to actually find out what a mother state is. It's not anything I've ever heard used in a family court here in Texas. So I don't know if that's something that we recognize or have, or if we do, it may be called something different, but I've never actually um, heard that term. Okay. If So if, if there's a child and the child's parents are in two separate states, how is the payment then determined? Is it determined by the father's state where he lives or is it determined by the mother's state where she lives? It's determined by where the child lives. Because if you if if you look at some of my videos on um on YouTube, I actually go into that. You know, because a lot of people, their children don't live with them. They live with aunts, uncles, grandparents. They don't live with either parent, right? So if a mother, let's say you're in Georgia, right? She's in Georgia. The father is in Texas, but the child lives in Wisconsin. Then the child support needs to be filed by whoever has the child in the state of Wisconsin. Okay. In closing this out, like I said before, there are a lot of fathers that that I've had discussions with who get frustrated with the system um, because, like I said, they feel like that it's geared towards the mother. Um, one thing that, that I did ask you that was very important was the record keeping. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because, you know, like you said, a lot of guys don't think, oh, I'm not keeping the text message or they might think that if they do keep it, it's in some way incriminating them. Right. <laughs> so um, I'm glad that you did tell them that keeping record of everything is very important. I also wanted to ask you, um, do you feel like it's fair for a mother that's keeping the child away um, from the father to, to then ask him to pay child support? So hypothetically, if he hasn't seen the child in a month or two or a year maybe, but within that time span, she says, okay, well, I need help with this child but you can't see him like when they go for a hearing, is that something that a father could bring up to a judge and make that a point? Like I'm not paying for a kid that I just, you know, I really don't see, or maybe I am trying to see him, but I'd rather spend the money on him on my terms. Like, why do I have to, you know, go through the system? Here's the thing. They can say that all day long, Mm -hmm. but the bottom line is, nine times out of ten, the judge is going to make you pay child support. They're going to do it. Now, will they take into consideration that she's not allowing him to see the child? Absolutely. So in Texas, the way our courts are made up, we have district courts Mm -hmm. for, you know, family cases, but we also have child support courts. They're not together. Right? Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, they're separate, which is why I named my show Support Court, because I wanted to show people the hierarchy of, you know, how the family courts actually work in Dallas County. Child support courts only deal with money. So child support, Medicaid, health insurance, that's all they do. If you have an issue concerning what we uh, call possession and access, where how often you see your child on the schedule, those issues go up in front of district courts. Okay. The district courts. And then once you get to the district courts, we have associate judges who those are nine times out of 10, you're going to see the most. They hold, they, you know, hear the temporary orders hearing. Um, if you want to withdraw from a case, you know, um, if you want to transfer the case to another state or another city or something like that, okay. those judges hear those issues. Then you have district judges. So there are two, uh, two judges essentially in one district, in one district court. You have the associate judge and the district court. The district court, you normally don't see that judge unless you file an enforcement against the parent for not paying child support or not allowing you to see the child or a final trial, something like that. They hear bigger issues. So that's just kind of how it goes, uh, which also adds to the backup, right? Because if somebody is in child support court, like with your example, I want to pay child support. I don't want to pay child support, but I'm definitely not going to pay child support and she's not going to let me see my kid. Mm-hmm. Well, she wants me to have supervised visits. I don't want supervised visits. All right, yeah, we're going to take this to district court because the associate judge, I mean, the child support judge is like, yeah, that's an issue for the district court. So then they transfer it okay, to the district court. Then you have to wait until you get, you know, on the district court's docket. But essentially, there are very, very few judges in Dallas County in particular mm-hmm. that are going to let somebody have access to their child without paying child support. A lot of them don't believe in it. They believe at least one parent should be paying child support. Now, if you guys agree to an amount outside of what the statutory guideline is, that's mm-hmm. fine, but they believe that at least one parent should be paying child support, and they definitely would take it into consideration that mom has not been allowing dad to see the child. One thing I've seen is when they go to court for the first time and the associate judge hears, I have not seen my child in two months. And we were, I was seeing my child every other week. We were doing every other week. I have seen judges do sort of a makeup time, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of going back to that week on, week off right away, they'll give dad consecutive weeks, mm-hmm. you know, so if it's two months, 60 days, they'll get that consecutive 60 days and then start the week on, week off back over. But depending on the possession schedule, he may not pay child support or he may pay a reduced amount of child support. Whether somebody pays or not, heavily, heavily, heavily determines, I mean, depends on the circumstances. Okay. So in, in a case where, let's just say the, the parents, at first are getting along. So they, they come up with this agreement. Okay. You give me $200 a month and it's on paper and it's been notarized and all that fancy stuff. But then she gets mad or whatever the case. So she feels like, Oh, the child's growing. This is not enough anymore. And she goes and puts it through the system. 
does their contract that they had previous hold up or does, is that null and void once it gets through the system? Say it's null and void because it definitely matters, right? Okay. It's just not anything that's enforceable because it wasn't signed by a judge. Ultimately, all it does is shows the intent of the parties in whatever their agreement is. Okay. So, and judges like to follow status quo. If you all's agreement for two years, three years has been $200, the judge wants to know why are you in court now? You know, you all have always agreed to that. And that's, that's what matters. And that's the reason why on my show, I paint those pictures. Because there's an underlying reason why people are in court. You don't just come up with an agreement and decide you don't want to follow it. Most people follow agreements because they came up with it. It's court orders. They don't like following because nine times out of ten, that wasn't their decision. It was left up to the judge, right? Mm -hmm. So they're going to consider that if dad Brink put that in evidence, like, judge, I've been paying her $200 for the past weeks. I mean, for the past years. This is the reason we agreed to it. This is how long it's been going on. I don't really understand the issue. Then a judge can take that into consideration in their ruling to determine if they're going to increase child support or accept the agreement between the parties. Because like I said, something triggers that. What I've seen is that it's normally another chick, right? Right. Of he course. gets married. <laughs> he gets a new girlfriend. Whatever. It's never really about, I, I'm not going to say ever, but it's never often about him getting an increase in pay on his job because I've seen guys get increase after increase after increase and them and the mom still agree to a minimal amount of child support. Right. You know, it things that it should be about to ask for an increase, it's never that. And it's the weirdest thing because you would think that that would be right. the reason you would go to child support, but it's normally not. Now realistically Oftentimes, as women, we say things that we should not. So in, in a situation in that case, like you said, if there's a new woman involved, so more than likely a text message or something will be sent out and she'll say, oh, well, since you got your new girlfriend now, you don't want to spend time with the child. Can the father bring that text message yeah. to court and say, no, and he should. definitely should bring it to court. But what I want to say to the dads are, watch how you talk to the mother if you put in a text message and evidence, right? <laughs> right. Because I read some of my client text messages, I'm like, man, this is good. This is good. And then the next thing you know, what she says something to trigger him, mm. and he just cuts her out. And I'm like, I understand your frustration. Trust me, judges even get it, right? Mm -hmm. However, if you do not want something blown up on the screen, right? Mm-hmm. You probably shouldn't say it in text message. I'm not giving you a pass to say cuss out in person either. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you are going to give us some words, mm -hmm. do it in person. Or you know what? Maybe not do it at all because even in person, she might be recording the conversation. So watch how you talk to the mom if you're going to be presenting text message evidence. But definitely anything that can show her intent of why she's doing something matters in court because the judge needs to know why was this modification if they have an order in place right mm -hmm. why is it all of a sudden she wants a modification to that order because if mom has brought that case to court 
for no basis in legal legal means of a basis, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she can be popped for attorney's fees. If dad went and hired an attorney mm-hmm. and she brought this case on what they call a frivolous action, okay. there's a certain portion of the Texas Family Code that says she can be popped for attorney's fees because she's essentially wasting the court's time. So the way that you would show her intent of wasting the court's time is to bring that text message where it says, because you got a new girlfriend, you're not going to spend no time with your son or your daughter. I'm going to take you back to court. So we're going to court because you're mad. Right. Okay. You know? Okay. You got to have those receipts. If you don't have that evidence, it's pretty much going to be your word against hers. Right. And I know yesterday when I spoke to the person at uh, child support, she said that I asked her about, you know, did she have any advice? And she said, you know, tap into your state's resources and things like that. Um, there, and she did mention something about legal aid. Now we do know that because legal aid is a free service, they're not going to go all in like a paid lawyer would. So is there anything beyond legal aid that would put in just as much effort as a paid lawyer? Because depending on the person, like you said, sometimes the legal aid person will fight for you and sometimes they'll say, all right, well, I'm not really, you know, I, I'll do what I can, but because I'm obligated, but I'm not, I'm not getting the lawyer money. So. And that's unfortunate because I would think that if you're an attorney, period, right? Mm-hmm. that's your ethical duty to advocate zealously for your client, whether you're paid in full or you're doing something pro bono. You sign on to a case, you should be putting your best foot forward. So when I hear people say stuff like that, it's appalling, you know, and it's really unfortunate. And I know it happens because prior to going to law school, I was a probation officer. So I've seen lazy lawyering on the criminal side, which has more consequences to your life and liberty, right? Then family court does. So it's really unfortunate. The only things that I would recommend, if you cannot hire an attorney and you don't want to go through legal aid, because legal aid is not as easy to attain them either. You know, if the other side has already applied for legal aid, then they're not going to represent you. You, They can't do both people at one time. It's, they're only able to represent one party. So I would recommend looking up like how I do my support court and I'm kind of educating people because this, my child is really about to have like an information dump for this very reason that we're talking to help people, educate them. You can't hire hire a lawyer. These are the things that you need to know. There are other attorneys out there that are like me that give this information. You just have to find them. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just not enough of us, in my opinion, because, um, you know, everybody wants to get paid and I get it. I'm, I'm definitely going to get paid, but I also believe as an attorney, you have a duty right. to give back to the community. So that's one of my ways of community service, making sure that I'm taking information and knowledge that I have that really everybody don't have access to because if you Google and look up how many attorneys actually exist in the world. We only make about make up about two or three percent of the entire population. So you're talking about information that everybody does not have access to. So if you can find attorneys or um, 
paralegals, retired um, people that used to work for the attorney general's office. Mm -hmm. um, if you can find people like that, those are going to be your best plugs because we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you that real. And mm -hmm. I don't talk to people like I'm talking to an attorney. I talk to them straight up like, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to have this, 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 and this. Make sure you wear this, this, and this, and this. Don't say this, this, and this, and this. You know, those type of things. I think, like I said, the more prepared you are, the better your situation is going to be. Because the worst thing you can do is go into a war zone with no weapons. <laughs> and that's true. And I, and I can honestly say I thank you because I can respect that because a lot of people appreciate the honesty rather just sending me in with a blindfold on and just filling me up with, okay, as long as you have X, Y, and Z, you're going to be okay. So it goes beyond the information. Like you said, it's the appearance of it all. You know, nobody's saying that you have to be a scholar, but at least know, you know, what you're fighting for. So I think that having those conversations is, is excellent because some, sometimes men don't want to admit, well, I need your help or they get frustrated. So before we close out, do you have any advice? For the father that's just at wit's end with the system, he's frustrated, he's not prepared, you know, just anything in general to make him feel like, okay, I do have a chance. Absolutely. The first thing I would say is get prepared. Get you a spiral. I tell my um, male clients, they can get a little spiral like this. I mean, if, if you don't want one with flowers, go find you one with <laughs> Superman or whomever on it, right? I'm not saying it has to look exactly like this, but get you something like this. It doesn't have to be anything big. And just take notes. Like literally journaling. Take notes. Go online. Print out those calendars that are already predated that have the month on it. Um, just Google 2021 calendar, 2022 calendar. Print that calendar out and start writing down things that happened on that day. The day she denied you your child, the day she randomly dropped the child off and didn't come back for two weeks and you had that child there and you didn't know when she was coming back. And take documentation of all of, of, of all of that because those are the things that matter. So definitely keeping your receipts, making documentation and don't quit. You know, I had a guy that it was about two years ago. We were winning with his child's mom. As a matter of fact, she ended up getting hit with $6,000 worth of attorney's fees Ooh. because she just kept denying him access, denying him access. So she didn't want to pay me my money. And so I put a lien, a judgment lien on her. And just recently she filed for bankruptcy. Like, no, sis, I still want my money because <laughs> at the end of the day, you were wrong. You're in this position because you broke one of the cardinal rules, in my opinion, you alienated a child from their other parent. That's unacceptable. That's what you should never do. I, I don't care who you are, who you think you are, who you may be related to, connected to. It doesn't matter. You should never alienate a child from their other parent. But for the alienated parent, which in this particular situation, we're talking about the dads, you cannot quit. Because my client quit on me after we beat her up like that. He literally quit. He went into the hospital. His blood pressure was through the roof. He was just wow. physically taken down. But we were on track to winning. But he quit. Had he not quit, he would have gotten custody of his child. Mm -hmm. 
you cannot quit because not if you're not just quitting on me, you're not quitting on yourself. You're quitting on your child. Yes. And you want your child to look back on the time y'all didn't spend together and be able to have a conversation about that, have an open dialogue. Because what you don't want to do is quit or not do enough. And then in this case, mom starts telling the child, well, you know, your daddy didn't really want to see you. He didn't want nothing to do with you. Right, Next right. thing you know, you have this 17, 18 year old man growing up bitter, not really liking himself, right? Less self-esteem because a part of his image has been destroyed by his other parent because children see themselves in the image of their mother or their father, whether they're in their life or not. Right. You destroy half of them, of the parent. You're destroying half of that child. So that's what you're up against when you quit. So the, that's my the biggest takeaway I can say for this. Educate yourself on what you need to know if you're going to represent yourself. Have the things that you need uh, if, in, in terms of evidence. Don't quit. But also, even if you cannot afford to pay an attorney's retainer, you can at least afford to pay for a consultation. Right? Okay. Pay for a consultation. If you're just like, I don't know what I need to do, because when I get on the consultation with people that can't afford me, I tell them exactly what they need to do. Most lawyers are not going to do that. They're right. like, uh-uh. If they want this information, they're going to have to come pay me. Well, it don't make me no difference, because at the end of the day, God's still going to provide for me. So me giving you the game and the tools that you need to make your chances better in court doesn't take away from my plan at all. Absolutely. So I don't mind giving the game. Talk to an attorney. If you're in Texas, you can call me. If you're in that, I mean, and I do have a consultation fee, right? And mm -hmm. you, and guys, another thing guys are going to have to stop doing too, get away from free. Because I, you know, a lot of guys will call, well, I know so-and-so do a free consultation. We'll go <laughs> talk to them. Well, watch, watch how much time and information they give you in a free consultation. Everybody has to have some skin in the game. If you're getting a resource for free, you're not getting nothing out of it, right? But okay. if you pay for at least a consultation and they put you on game, that's invaluable because you know exactly what you have to do. You're a step above where the other parent is, even if they have an attorney because another attorney has already told you exactly mm -hmm. what you need to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's my best advice. Is it important um, to how how important is legitimizing the child? Is it is that important? What do you mean by legitimizing them? Okay, so that's another one of those terms that I'm just learning myself. So I asked what that was. So it's basically on paper saying that yes, this is the father of the child. And absolutely, absolutely. Another tidbit I want to tell me: do not, do not. Sign an acknowledgement of paternity, which is also known as AOP, without getting a DNA test. Why am I saying that? An acknowledgement of paternity makes you legally responsible for a child, even if it turns out you are not the father. If you sign that, you are legally responsible for that child. Don't sign it. 
Okay. Don't even put your name on the birth certificate. <laughs> because even though the birth certificate is not as powerful as the AOP, the signing of a birth certificate can be used as evidence that you're recognizing that this child could possibly be yours. Do not put your name on anything without doing a DNA test. I say that to everybody. Even when me and my husband had our daughter, I said, you know why we at the hospital, you get a DNA test for free. And he was like, why would I do that? I said, if I'm out here educating and telling other people, even when they marry, right, that they should get an AOP, I believe that I should be an example of what I'm telling other people. So if you want to get a DNA test, you should get it. Absolutely. Before signing this AOP, mm -hmm. he looked at me like I was crazy and signed the AOP. <laughs> but it's, I'm just saying, I need to practice what I preach, right? I can't say... I'm telling my husband not to do something then I'm telling other people to do. That's ludicrous. No, but do not sign anything for a child until you have taken a DNA test. Get a DNA test so you know for sure that is your child. You don't have any problems in the future. Mm -hmm. Then after you get the DNA test, make sure you get a copy of the birth certificate. If, the, if you're not on the birth ticket, you need to get a court order to make sure that that birth ticket is reissued with your name on it. You need to make sure you have access to the child's social security card because if you have to add them to insurance, you're going to need it. Okay. Well, and in, in wrapping up, I do want to thank you so much again for joining me on my vet. Like this means a lot to me because this is the first episode. And like I said, when I put it there, they, it was going to be you. They was like, yes. So, <laughs> so I appreciate who you are and your transparency. And I do, like you said, I appreciate the game that you gave us today. Um, I feel like this interview was very informative. Hopefully someone takes something away from this. Um, just quickly, how can, for anybody that's wondering, you want to run down your YouTube, um, your Instagram, how can they contribute to your campaign? Anything that you want us to know about Miss the Honorable Vonda Bailey, let us know. <laughs> you and I, I appreciate you reaching out and asking me to do this. I love doing speaking, public speaking in general. So podcast, career day, you name it. I like doing that because again, Majority of the community in which I serve are a part of that unwealthy um, community. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that you're just as educated as the people who have access and the means to make sure that they get everything they need. So thank you for asking me to do this. Um, my campaign page is VondaBaileyForJudge.com. You can make a donation through there. You can also find me on um, Cash App Demo because I know people like to use that too. And that's another thing that I do. I give those options. A lot of you won't see many judicial candidates. If you do see them doing it now in Dallas, they piggyback off of me. Um, I started doing Cash App and Demo because I recognize that everybody is not going to be able to give me a $100 contribution. So whether it's a dollar, $2, I appreciate it just as much. So I also have Cash App. Um, with you know what let me look up the cash out because <laughs> uh, i do not know it by heart it's the dollar symbol vote vonda the venmo is vote vonda as well but i think you know you do the at symbol okay. with venmo um everything is pretty much vote vonda if you go to obviously instagram and facebook i have a support court with judge vonda b page i have a vonda bailey for judge page 
So you can find me on both of those just by doing a search. Um, YouTube, definitely go and support that because like I said, I'm getting ready to have an information dump because when I win, Judge, because I know I'm going to win. Yes, you will. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you. I know that I can't do this anymore. It's, it, it's unethical for me to um, do my show and everything like that. So I just want to dump as much information on there as possible. So you always have it as a reference, quick resource. Like, you know what? Let me rewind. What she say I need it here. I'm breaking it down. Mm -hmm. So um, YouTube, um, like, subscribe, turn on your notifications to support Court with Judge Vonda B. And I am glad that we were able to snatch you up before you became judge because then <laughs> we'll be too busy for us. So, <laughs> well, and you know what? I'm always going to make time because that's just the type of person that I am. Um, I, I was raised like that. My parents worked in the legal field. They still to this day do community service. So that's all I know. So there is no reason for me to become a judge and just say, oh, okay, I'm here. Yeah. I forget about y'all. That that's not me. If you can't tell that already, that's not who I am. Oh no, absolutely. You're you're just like me. I always root for the underdog. And oh yeah, always. Like situations sometimes the dad is the underdog. So oh, yeah. we need to you know get them on track, like you said, and and prepare them for whatever it is that they're going to go through, and start noticing the signs of certain things early. So you can say, oh, okay, this is about to go left. Let me prepare <laughs> in case I have to fight. So, again, I do thank you so much for your time. This meant so much to me. Um, this, yeah, this, this meant a lot. And I really do appreciate you giving us your time and your knowledge. Um, like I said, hopefully somebody took something away from this. And you definitely have my support. So... Sure. Um, congratulations in advance and Thank you. good luck with everything. And like I said, you definitely have my support and hopefully we'll be doing this again when you become let me know. <laughs> okay. okay. And you have a good day to you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Why is it that once a support order is put in place, why does it have to be so long? for a modification. Um, I know, for example, I spoke with a father not too long ago and he said that he wanted to go and have a modification because um, some things changed in his life. However, they did tell him that the modification period was about two to three years from the order being set. Um, what, what, would some, what are some of the things that you guys consider life-changing events that would enable the father to have a modification order put in place immediately instead of waiting for the two-year period? So definitely, you know, if your income changes or if you um, go file for bankruptcy or you begin to receive like a social security disability or things like that, that would, I guess, be deemed you know, something that would require modification, but what a lot of dads don't realize is going through the child support office doesn't always give you the answer that you need. A lot of times you can actually go to the courthouse and get the modification done. So and I think that 
No, I was just going to ask, so are you saying that the, so that the court system actually trumps the child support system? I don't want to say it trumps because child support cases aren't cookie cutter. So my child support case may be different from your child support case. But what I, what I do advise is that fathers contact the court system that established their child support case, not necessarily the child support office all the time. Um, and then also while they're contacting the child support, I mean the court system, also see about what rights they have. I think that society has kind of told dads that you don't have a right as long as you are not with the mother or not married to the mother. And things are slowly changing where dads are beginning to have more of a say-so in the lives of their children. Okay, so with that being said, um, so let's just hypothetically say that the father has another kid. Um, mm -hmm. Do you guys consider that as a life-changing experience or event? Or is that something that also would have to go through the court system and not child support? So that is a change that should go through child support because, well, I'll say this, it depends. So say you are dating a man and he has a previous child support case. And, you know, for whatever reason, you two, um, the relationship doesn't work out, and then you put him on child support for whatever reason, they will take into consideration the previous child support case when determining your child support case. But it is very important for dads to realize any life-changing event that happens in their life, it should be reported to child support. Um, one, so if any modifications that need to be done, you know, are done. And then two, so that it's documented that not only am I communicating with child support, but, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that it is on record that I let the proper people know what's going on in my life. So if you want to get a modification or say you wanted to file for custody or something like that, you can say, well, you know, it's on record that I've been compliant with child support. I'm reporting changes. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So you cannot deem me as a ill fit or bad father. So is it also taking this? So let's just say the, the father has another child, but he's not on child support for that one. Um, does that matter? Not necessarily because there's no order. There's nothing that says that he is legally obligated to provide for that child, if that makes sense. So I, so I guess in, in modification terms, so let's just say the father decides to quit the job and he doesn't get fired. Is that then can taken into consideration or no, because that's a decision that he made? You have a lot of fathers who will quit a job so they won't have to pay child support. We all know that with child support, there are consequences of non-payment, i.e. 
um, losing the license, um, not being able to get a passport, or whatever the case. Um, I really do feel like that the the license thing, or or even putting a father in jail, is kind of redundant because it's like. To me, and this is just my opinion, if you take away my license, that's fine. I can still get to work during public transportation or we got all this stuff out here like Lyft, Uber, and so on and so forth. However, if I have a job that requires me to drive, how is that beneficial to what you're trying to get out of me? So, I understand what you're saying. I do feel as though if you are not paying your child support for months, I don't mean like you've missed a payment here, there, or you know you you've missed a couple weeks. I mean like for months. I I do feel as though you should there should be some type of consequence for your actions. I don't think that it is beneficial to anyone if the father misses one payment and then you take his license from him because like you said how am i going to be able to provide if i'm now having to put forth effort to either get out of jail if i am incarcerated or figure how to get to him from work if you suspend my license i think that there should be something else put in place you know so so the dad is not necessarily um hindered in a way that he can't provide not only for the the child but for himself so there are oftentimes i've had conversations with fathers who get very very frustrated with the system because of the fact that whatever the process is and this is just my example, a mother can walk into a child support office and things can be done within an hour or 10 minutes. Um, but a father can walk in and try to contest whatever's going on and it could take up to 90 days. And depending on the situation, the father oftentimes gets frustrated with the system. Is there any advice that you can offer to any of the fathers that are frustrated with the system or if they feel like the system is geared to favor whatever the mother says? Um, well, one, uh, going back to what I previously said, make sure that everything that you do is documented. Um, anytime that client called, the customer service number, the conversation is recorded and then there are notes in the system. Um, it is a very frustrating system when the mother is being, you know, more favored than the father because society has everyone believing that, you know, the dad is a big, he doesn't care about his kids. Um, you know, the mother, she's left as a single mom to raise the children. So let's give her all the rights. Um, I think as far as it being frustrating, you have to kind of have patience with a system that the rules that were created years ago are kind of the same rules that, that are being used to um, police a society that has 
has significantly changed. Um, you know, and if possible, seek legal counsel. Um, get a lawyer if you can. But definitely make sure that any changes that go on in your life are documented. Make sure that um, any time child support reaches out to you in regards to anything, make sure that you just basically have your stuff together. So there's, there's so no one can say, well, you're missing X, Y, and Z, or you didn't do X, Y, and Z. You have all your ducks in a row. Because it'll be easy for the the father to say, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, so we need to make some changes as far as how much I'm supporting this child because I'm doing my part where I've stepped up and I'm doing more of my part. Um, it's, it's a very, it is definitely a system that definitely favors mothers over fathers, unfortunately. So here's a question that I've heard a lot, and because you actually work for the Division of Child Support, I got to get your take on this one. Um, So if a father is put on child support and he has an obligation, and the mother calls and said, hey, look, your kid is playing football or or whatever, and it's extracurricular activities, or it might be school time or whatever the case, do you feel like the father should... In your opinion, do you feel like the father should give up extra? Or do you feel like the father should say, hey, you get child support, so work it out? <laughs> I mean, but it's hard to say because you have different reasons why moms have applied for child support in the first place. Um, it's not just, it's not always just out of spite for the dad. It's not out of, you know. But wait a minute. Can can I just stop you for one second? Now, you're absolutely correct. It's not always the same case. But the majority of the cases are out of spite for the dad. Whether it's, oh, the dad doesn't want to be bothered with her anymore. Or the dad's moved on and he's got a new woman. Or whatever the case may be. Uh, Typically, and I'm just going to say typically. Because it's not all the the cases. There are really some mothers out there that need help, but in the society that we live in, it's always out of spite. So I guess what I'm asking you is that if the father knows that you're only doing this out of spite because it was, as they say, all good a week ago, should he be giving up extra for these extracurricular activities or because it's Christmas time or, you know, anything of the sort? Well, I I think that that would be based on what the dad can provide um if he you know wants to provide extra then you know I, by all means because at the end of the day it will benefit the child um but if it's a situation where i'm giving or you're getting x amount for child support and and you want to put the child in extracurricular activity or you know at christmas time then you know it's kind of like hey i'm i'm already giving you child support so you know for me to have to give extra especially if i can't afford to give extra then you know we i i really just ultimately think that it should just be a conversation that the parents have 
um, you know, yes, you're giving child support, but I, I need extra this month for whatever. But if it's a situation where things are done out of spite, then I don't even know if that conversation would be a positive one or, you know, one that would benefit or come out with a positive outcome. Okay. And my last and final question to you. Um, do you think it's a good idea if the so if everything starts out cool but yet it's taking a turn or as they say it's going left, do you think it's a good idea for the father himself to go and put himself on child support or you know, or is it better that the mother goes and files? Because I guess what I'm asking you is is that if the father goes is it a little bit a little bit more lenient if he goes, or is it basically the same process? So it's the same process. I think that if you and the mother are in a relationship and that it fails, I think that you guys should come up with a an agreement um, where both parties are not being taken advantage of. Um, Kind of like the same way that they do custody. Let us both sit down. If if you are mature enough and have that relationship with the other parents to come up with an agreement that everyone agrees on where no one, you know, is giving their last to make sure that this child is taken care of or that the, the requirements from the, the parent who will have the child more, you know, aren't aren't taking advantage of the non-custodial parent, I think that an agreement should just be made. Um, having the dad file for child support on his own, the, the same rules kind of apply. Um, nothing is really changed if okay. the father applies on his own. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for joining me this week on this very first episode. Thank you for your time. Um, I guess before we sign off, do you recommend, is there anything that you recommend for the fathers? Again, like I said, a lot of fathers feel like, you know, this system, battling this system is frustrated. Um, frustrating, I'm sorry, because like you said, it is geared towards the mothers. So, um... Is there, again, any more advice you can offer or maybe, you know, any resources that they maybe would be able to tap into to help them, you know, with their individual situations, whatever they may be? Definitely look into um, legal resources or um, like free legal aid in, in your state, your city, your county. Um, I feel like with the ever-changing society is, is kind of slowly, very slowly getting away from, um, you know, giving sole custody to the moms and not necessarily giving rights to the dads. I think there are more agencies and resources out there for dads who just want to be a good dad and the relationship didn't work with the mom and they just want to make sure that they are in a position where they can provide for their child without feeling like they're being taken advantage of. So definitely look into your local resources and, um, you know, find an agency that will be able to help you. Okay. 
Thank you so very much, Nicole, for joining us on the Fathers Ain't podcast. Um, I do appreciate your time again, and, and, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right.